Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Huntington, and in this episode, I talked to Anthony. Anthony has a success story, which is cool, so we get into some of those details, and it's sort of a, a double, not a double whammy, that would be a bad thing. It is a dual-purpose episode. We get a little bit extra because Anthony is going to tell us about his process for outsourcing Haro. Haro is help a reporter out. Basically, reporters send in queries on stories that they need references and quotes for. And they're looking for contributors out there to give them information. So reporters need help. Help a reporter out, and then we help those reporters out. Anthony has outsourced it. The cool part is Dan wrote it. Dan was like, yes, I want to know more about this outsourcing stuff with Haro. Sounds amazing. Dan is amazing because he actually sent me all the questions. So I didn't have to do much thinking this time. Thanks, Dan. I actually appreciated that a lot. I was like, oh, this is great. I could just get these over to Anthony and make sure we can go over this stuff. And we did. We talk about numbers and stats on the number of replies, the conversion rate, the links. We find out the juiciest link, the best publication that Anthony has landed. We also talk about how how broad the range is and the sort of topic areas that you can approach so you don't end up basically wasting time and sending out a bunch of answers to websites and reporters that are never going to use it. We also talk about how to approach like the data bank or the database of responses versus like letting your VA answer in an autonomous way, or if you should be like really involved in it. There's uh, several details that, you know, you kind of have to think about ahead of time. Anthony didn't have the process outlined in general. He just started dabbling from what I understand and started taking action, started figuring things out, ran into a couple issues, a couple funny ones, which it was, it's funny when, when Anthony tells us about it, but to be honest with you, when we were off the air, not recording, uh, Anthony was able to be more graphic and tell me a little bit more about it. That's cryptic, I know. Anyway, Anthony doesn't hold anything back. I think at the end of this episode, you're probably going to be pumped to try out Haro. I've been hearing more and more people having success with it. Of course, Kyle shot an email a few weeks back and shared his process. So I think between Anthony, what Anthony shares with us today, what Kyle told us before, you should be able to get out there, get your hands dirty and figure out how to do it for yourself. If you do have follow-up questions, please let me know. Anthony's down to talk more, um, potentially you know, answer specific questions. So feedback at Doug.show if you do have any specific questions. Shout out to uh, my YouTube channel. So it's not sponsored by my YouTube channel, but I mean, I'm, I'm producing everything. So it's actually all sponsored by me. I'm underwriting this whole situation here. Check out my YouTube channel. If you are not yet a subscriber, there's a lot of uh, tutorials and information. There's some teardowns. There's a lot of interviews like this one. And I do live streams occasionally. So if you happen to just be a podcast listener, definitely appreciate the support. If you find yourself indoors, quarantined, and you're on YouTube, you're trying to figure out how to waste time, check out my YouTube channel. It'll be much appreciated. All right, let's hear from Anthony. How's it going today? Yeah, good, Doug. Good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. It's been, um, it's it's warm here. It's later in the afternoon. We're talking uh, across the ocean here. Where, Where are you located, Anthony? Um, so I'm in, in Australia, but specifically Geelong, which is about an hour outside of Melbourne, which is probably the biggest city around here that most people would have heard of. So, um, yeah, it's something, it's a nice little coastal city. Awesome. And just so we can get to like some of the meat right away, can you let us know about some of your earnings and, and traffic and a little bit about the success that you've seen so far? Yeah, of course. So I've been doing some form of you know online business for going on two and a half three years at the moment and sort of like everybody you sort of flip around and you start one thing and 
you do it for a little bit and you're like, oh, this is a little bit shit. And then you go to something else and then you're like, oh, this is also a little bit, tap, a little bit, you know, I'm not really getting this. And you sort of like keep going aside. And I kept going back to this affiliate website stuff and I would read it and I'd be like, this sounds really doable. Um, one of the first businesses I had was completely outside of the affiliate space and everything, but it was kind of in the e-com space and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I did the writing for it. I'm an English teacher by trade. I enjoy writing. Um, and I really enjoyed the content, the content side of it. So I was like, oh, maybe if I can do something like this. I always kept looking at it. So yeah, since then, I've started my first affiliate site at the start of 2019. It's now sort of halfway through 2020. About a year and a half, I worked on my first site for about a year. Um, sold it at the in, I think it was December. Started a new one. The site that I started just six months ago or seven months ago is now earning about $600 a month on track for a little bit more on track for about 800 this month. But I've had a couple of uncharacteristically sort of high days in there. So it's a bit hard to judge that. So getting that 600 to 800 a month mark now pretty consistently for the last three or four months. Cool. And the site's only about six months, seven months old. Yeah, I bought it from Human Proof Design, actually. So it could be a little bit older than that originally. Um, but it was one of their fresh sites. It wasn't like an aged money-making site or anything like that. It was one of their cheaper done-for-you sites. Okay, cool. And how much content was on there, if you happen to recall the initial yeah, set? I think, I think it was their minimum. So it was about 10,000 words. I think they usually have um, for their minimum. So it was, it was one of those. Um, just, yeah, 10,000 words pretty basic content, like decent, but pretty basic. And yeah, took it from there and went with it. Awesome. And was it a niche that you were like interested in? Did you care much about the products or? Um, somewhat, it was it was a sub niche. Um, so what human proof do really, really well, I think, is they'll pick a sub niche and then the, the domain will be like much, much broader. So the little sub niche, I didn't really, I. I understood it, I, I liked it, but the broad niche in general is what I liked. So I think I, I basically, as soon as I bought it, I padded out that first niche a little bit and then just sort of left that there and moved on to the other niches as well. Okay, cool. And I think, you know, they, they adapted that, adapted to that over time because initially I think they were very narrowly focused and then they started building sites that would allow you to grow and expand. So that's cool that you were able to, you know, get one of those and get traction quickly. And I know probably some people are thinking, man, that's crazy because kind of the benchmark in general is about a hundred dollars per month after about six months. And here you've hit, you know, six, seven times that. So do you have any like secrets on like do, do you think there's any specific thing that you did to help you get traction so quick on this site it wasn't my it wasn't my first site which is one thing like a lot of people will be thinking that when it's their first site so i'd already had that first site which i built to around about a thousand dollars a month before i sold it so i knew it was coming i kind of knew what i was doing um also because i had you know two or three years content writing experience i was also writing freelance work as well. My rate as a freelancer is significantly more than I'm willing to pay someone else to write, I guess would be a way to say that. So I could write for somebody, I could write a thousand words for somebody else and reinvest it into 2000 words on my own site, if that makes sense. So that wasn't a major factor, but it definitely let me grow quicker, grow content quicker. And again, for ways to grow, just low competition, thinking outside the box a little bit, my biggest, my site's at that stage where it's earning good money, but it's definitely earning off two fewer pages for my liking. There's one page that kind of fits in to the niche. So using your ballpoint pen example that you use on this podcast and YouTube a bit, it would be like saying the best writing pad if you have a ballpoint pen, which is kind of not in the pen niche, but it's kind of comes in on the side. And that's the one that's earning all the money so far. So I'm like, that's cool. So I'm frantically trying to do that and, you know, frantically trying to build the rest up and get that variety in earning as well. Cool. And how much content is on the site now? About 120 posts, I would say. A couple of posts that would be in the 2000 plus mark. Usually they're about a thousand. Yeah. Okay. About a thousand words. So between. Yeah. About that. Because there's such a low competition. I usually stick to lower word counts and yeah. Okay. 
And what's the breakdown uh, from informational and product reviews? A lot of product reviews. My sort of theory when I come to writing reviews is I'll target some really heavy competition keywords at the start as well. Like I know I said before, like low competition is how I get the traffic, but the way I kind of see it is those high competition keywords will take kind of six months to start doing anything anyway. So I may as well start that six months as early as possible, put the line in and then I use um, like Page Optimizer Pro and little things like that, or I can just keep updating those as well. So as far, because of that, I would say it's probably 80 to 90% would be money posts at the moment. So not really the, and that's something as I'm doing now, I'm sort of more investing into the, the information side of the posts as well. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And for people that don't know, uh, Page Optimizer Pro or Pop, can you tell them? About yeah. It? Yeah, cool. So I actually got the idea from when Kyle Roof, who I think is the creator potentially, was on this show. Um, and it's basically a way that you can scrape the the data from the top ranking pages for a particular keyword. Google is doing this sort of thing at the moment where if you type something in, all of the pages will kind of be the same thing. So if it's a list post, like all of the top searches will be list posts. Uh, if it's an affiliate post, all it's just showing the same thing all the time, which, you know, personally, I don't really like, but like as a user of the internet, but it is what it is. Um, use what it's doing and use it to our advantage. So it kind of gives you the average. So it might say, you know, it'll give you a bunch of goals that you should be aiming for for your page. So it might be, you know, you should be go aiming for 1600 words, try and use the keyword eight times, once in a subheading and just little things like that that you can do to optimize your page. And it's, um, it's a great tool. It takes a second to sort of like figure out how to to use it did you find there was a little bit of a learning curve oh yeah definitely don't i think i bought it at the start it was one of those things where i had like 15 minutes spare and i was like well i'll just buy that sort of thing now and then i'll look i'll think about it later so i, I logged in at the first time and i was like oh my lord they've actually introduced in the last month or so like an express version of it so now you get an option to do like traditional or an express and the express one makes it a little bit easier for you um, it's not as in-depth, but I wasn't using all of the bells and whistles anyway because I didn't understand most of them. Um, so it just gives you the basic stuff that sort of anyone can use, which I'm, this is what I'm using at the moment. Yeah, I agree 100% because I, I got it like right when it came out because, you know, Kyle's a friend and he was like, you know, check out the tool and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it was a little confusing at first, but they, they actually have a lot of videos and tutorials and they've just put out a like a Chrome extension. So yeah. that really makes it a lot easier to work with. So I'll put a link out there for people to check out Pop, but I mean, I think it's a great way to, especially if it's not your first site, if it's your first site, Pop could be a little confusing at first, but your second site and so on, I mean, it's great, so. Yeah, um, if you were to think about it like, I don't know, if you were trying to lose weight, Pop is like that, apple cider vinegar that gets you like that extra little couple of percent but if it's you're trying to start for the first time it's just like we'll just start with cutting your calories and we'll go from there like it's the extra little thing that if you know what you're doing it works but it would definitely be too much for someone who doesn't really um who's new to it and i think like sort of the perfect person is like you have a site that you've published content, you're getting traction, things are going okay, and you're not sure how to improve content uh, specifically. So it gives you sort of a blueprint and framework to follow along in a prioritized way, and it makes it very clear once you get it set up. So, anyway. yeah, it was, yeah, it's a nice little addition to the way I would usually update content, which I would usually sort of, you know, do the old find what the page is searching for in. Um, Google Console, and if it's ranking for a keyword that I'm not really targeting yet, I'll add another little subheading in with that keyword and write about that. And so it's a nice little, that's kind of just working it out on my own. So it's nice to have something that's a bit more concrete in there yep. as well. Exactly. So with the keyword research, just curious, um, yep. do you have any sort of approach? Or are you? Yeah, a, yeah. Okay, let's hear about it. 
So I am the biggest tight ass when it comes to keyword research. I use keyword, um, either keyword sheeter or keyword shitter. Depends what they're using. Like, I kind of, I don't know if it's the same people that run both. I have no idea, but I kind of find one works and one doesn't, and then it'll swap and the other one will work and the other one won't. So I don't know if it's the same people that run it, but you basically put a bunch of STEM keywords in, so it might be best ballpoint pen for, and then I just leave it and it'll give the rest. If you leave it for a while, it'll give you, you know, depending on how many seed keywords you give it, it could be like a couple of thousand um, keywords. If you leave it for too long, it just scrapes like the entire internet. I think I left it for like, and had a shower one day and came back and it was like, the suggestions were like Facebook, Google, YouTube, Walmart. And I was like, oh God. So you do all that. I bolt copy it. And then I use the keywords everywhere. Um, Chrome extension, I pay for that because that's super cost effective. Um, you can bulk import. So I just copy the whole thing, bulk import and get all the data from that. And then I'll do some research into what's KGR and what's got a good little, what keyword I think I like. And the more you do it, um, the more you do it, you kind of don't, you can just do it from the keywords everywhere research as well. Once you've done a few articles and you get some success, you kind of know what works and what doesn't. Um, and then I'll also just write some articles that I think belong on the site as well okay. without really research. Okay. Yep. And I think, I think that's, that's pretty common. I'm starting a new site now and kind of all the stuff that you mentioned where, you know, some low competition stuff is the bulk there's some that just need to be there. It's a good topic, even though it'll never rank for anything. And then there's some other topics where, you know, maybe in six months for a brand new site or a year or 18 months that it's going to take a long time to rank. But, you know, you may as well have it. Go ahead and get it out there. But that's just a small portion. Yeah. And that's also for the people that are already on the site as well. Like if you've got one of those like a big software review or something like that that you don't expect the rank for because it's hyper competitive but that's something you can can you know divert some traffic towards on your own site once they're already in there i think yep. there's benefit in that as well yeah cool for content tips because you are you know a writer and you you do it as a, a side hustle as part of your you know profession do you have any like specific content tips for folks that are maybe struggling with it a little bit yeah, yeah. So I keep the keep the intro as short as possible. I'll use the keyword in the intro once usually, use it in a subheading as well. Just have it to be as conversational as possible. I want to give some personality to it. I think if you do that, especially in the intro, the personality needs to be, especially at the start, towards the end. I find if you can throw like a funny little gif or something in there as well, just something to sort of hook people in, talk about yourself a little bit when you can, don't do it too much. And just I like to have a like a reader in mind, so almost like a, a profile of my perfect reader um, for that website or that article. And I've got these little sort of reader personas and like, you know, if you like buyer persona sort of things and I'm writing to that one person, which kind of, in my mind, makes it a lot easier if I'm writing to someone rather than writing to like, you know, you, the reader, who could be landing on this page. It's just... I find that really impersonal. So if I have someone in mind, I can write to them. For me, it just becomes a lot easier to write. Okay. And did you did you just like make up a person? You're like, this is probably the kind of f person that would look for this keyword and be interested in the topic? Pretty much. At the start, I just sort of took a guess. After about six months of owning the site, I used the Google Analytics like user profiles to see sort of the average range, like it's only age and things like that. But I knew, for example, that my website was gearing towards, it was like 25 to 35 year olds. So I was like, cool, I can kind of write to that audience if that's the, you know, if that's 85% of the people that are visiting my site, I can tweak my language a little bit to suit that. Perfect. Okay. And you hire writers from somewhere. Um, it sounds like you're, you're doing the writing and then you're reinvesting what you're earning there to supply the writing and yep. you get more content. And where, where do you hire them? Do you have any specific techniques that you enjoy? I'm only, it's very hit and miss. There's a couple of groups that I like and some I've, I've used before. What I did at the start, um, highly, I such a mistake in hindsight, but you learn from it, so it is what it is. I found someone who, the content was incredibly cheap, but it was, it was good enough. And I was like, oh man, this is, 
this is brilliant. I've like threaded the needle here. So I just like pumped some money into it, invested it. And it was sort of like too much content that I could keep up with quality control. And then after like three or four months of investing some money into it and getting all these words on the site, I started like properly looking through them. And I was like, man, this is rubbish. I was like, this is terrible. So, you know, we've got new writers now. Um, <laughs> and it was one of those things where, you know, and at the end of the day, like it's, it's obviously the writers didn't do the best job, but at the end of the day, the onus falls on me as the site owner. And that's my quality upkeep that I didn't do. I sort of was trying to pump too much into it too quickly, which hasn't like has benefits as well in a way. So now I've got these, at least the contents on there. And if it's starting to do something, that's the next page that I'm going to update to sort of make better, I guess. Cause if it's ranking with what's on there now, if I make the content better, it's going to rank more. So yeah, it's a way to at least get some, get some lines in the river and see what catches. Perfect. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's common too. Like once you, you have the ability to hire people and you're like, Oh, this is great. We have all this content. And then, yeah, you, you'll find the next weakest link. Often that's, yourself or myself with uh, yeah, yeah, keep yeah. up. So um, let's move on to link building and specifically um, Haro. And shout yep. out to Dan who sent uh, some questions in. He was like, Anthony sounds interesting. I want to learn more. And I was like, oh, do you have any specific questions? And then he literally did my job for me. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to dive through what Dan sent over just in general. So Let's uh, let's start with like maybe the best link, the juiciest link that you got. You don't have to share exactly what site, but can you just like talk about the best link that you've gotten so far with this Haro approach? Yeah. So the best link probably by brand name would be one that I, well, I wrote the response myself for this one, but it, because it's one that I think of. So I've got a couple of business insider links, which are pretty good. Um, I like those, but through the outsourcing, I've got some, you know, DA, I think some in the, in the 50s and one in the 60s, I think. So yeah, you take that and run with it. You kind of expect anything. So as far as like name recognition though, they might mean things to some people, but for me, Business Insider was the only, was the biggest name that I looked at it and it was like, oh yeah, I've heard of them. I can't I read that. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, that would be, yeah, that's the, that's probably the biggest site that I've had so far. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing to get one of those links. I mean, that's a huge site. So as far as like the outsourcing, can you give us a little bit of a breakdown of like what's going on? And it sounds like you do some of this too. So did you start outsourcing? Did you start doing it yourself? And then, you know. I started doing it myself. Yes, I started doing it myself. And then Harrow comes out at the most inconvenient times if you're in Australia. It's, it could not be less convenient. It's like, you know, midnight. It's like 5 a.m. It's ridiculous and you've got to get onto it so quickly because if you you know for sometimes they need they're publishing it like later that day i've had some responses where you know i'll write something and then they'll respond you know an hour and a half later and say it's perfect we'll use it and then two hours after that there's like the link to the finished article and i was like god damn like that's so quick um yeah and sometimes you get the response back like a month and a half later. So sometimes if you're too quick, uh, sorry, if you're not quick enough, you'll miss out. So I was doing it and trying to keep on track, but they also kind of get lost in the emails a little bit. So I was like, surely I can outsource, I can find someone to do this. I'll try it out and sort of see how it goes. And I found a, I just did it on Upwork, just try to put out a, dealers out there, put a job out, um, found someone who had you know, said she's done it before for people, has experience in it, has used Harrow before. So I sent her out some things and I was like, let's sort of see how it goes. We'll try a couple of days. So I made like a little throwaway Gmail account, changed the Harrow subscription from my personal email to that email, gave her access to that throwaway Gmail account. Um, so she uses that for the responses. Uh, we have a spreadsheet, it kind of goes through it. It took a little bit of time at the start. So I think there was... There was one time, I think it was in the first week or two, and she'd responded to something around like adult toys or something like that. And like, like I said before, like I'm a teacher in like as a day job. So I'm looking at it and I saw it in the spreadsheet 
And I was like, surely not. I looked at the I, I looked at the response and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I was like emailing her and I was like, please don't associate. Like I have year nine students that are going to be like Googling their teacher's name. I don't want it to show up with like a photo of me next to some like, you know, X-rated toy with just like a smiling photo of me next to it. So if we can like avoid that, um, I would be, I'd be safe. So after we ironed out a couple of creases like that, um, it's been going pretty swimmingly. I think we're about 18 weeks in. We actually, it's funny that um, we're doing this interview now, literally probably about a day or two before you contacted me. I just sent out some, you know, some feedback and we started tweaking a few little things to make it, um, to, you know, we've done 18 weeks, we've got a bit of data now. Let's see if we tweak these little things, if it gets better or worse, and we'll keep going. Yeah, some I some tweaks at the start, but well worth it if you stick through it, I think. Awesome. And can you give us an idea, like, how many links you've gotten over the, the course, especially with, um, with it outsourced? Yeah, so with it outsourced, I just did some numbers before. I've got, um, so in 18 weeks, there was 70 responses. Um, and in those 70 responses, I think there is a, there's a, a minimum of 13 um, approved. So I think, what's that, like one in five, one in six, somewhere around there. So that's in 18 weeks. Yeah, so I think that's one in five, one in six are getting accepted. So, okay. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, you don't want to give out the exact prices that she's charging. Is there any way you could quantify like how much you've paid for the yeah. 13 links? Okay, cool. So it would be, so I, I pay by the hour and it would be around about, I think we were usually on the books for about an hour a day responding to, to quotes. And it is around that, you know, okay. I think per link it working it out like $30 a link I would say awesome. off memory something around that so um, relatively cost effective considering especially considering what the Harrow questions have been about in the past three months it's been very sort of coronavirus and COVID heavy so I could only imagine and that's and like I said as well that's a minimum amount of approved that's only the people that are responding and saying yes we'll use it and here's the link so it could be more than that as well got it okay that, yeah that is exceptionally cost effective and yeah pretty yeah. amazing so with the person that you're outsourcing it to um do they pretend yeah. it's you or how is it yeah. set up yeah so when you sent the question and who's what who is the the man that sent the questions through sorry dan yeah so when dan sent the question through and you sent it to me you know does the writer does she use your name or does she use like someone else's name i was like man that's a really good idea i wish i'd have thought of like using someone else's name um, <laughs> so in hindsight if i'd have thought of that that's what i would have done it also would have solved um the issue at the start but so i use my own name for that so she uses my little sign off and things like that yeah so she has pretty much autonomy about what she answers to a degree we have some little rules about what she can and can't respond to um so she said she's had some clients that are pretty happy for her to make up a story about something that's happened to get a link i'm not really too keen on that because nothing really good can come from that a lot of them will be research based like what's a you know one will be, I think one that got approved a couple of weeks ago was a book about, like, what's your favourite book about empowerment or something like that. So she obviously did some research for that and responded and that got approved. So, yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, I think it was Kyle who actually sort of triggered all this Haro stuff in the last month when um, he was like, hey, Doug, like, you kind of slammed Haro, but it's been working out well for me. Then within a couple of days, you let me know that it was going well for you. And I think um, Kyle mentioned, hopefully I'm getting his name right. I think Kyle mentioned it was so important to, you know, strike quickly and make sure that as soon as um, people were, I don't know how it works on Haro exactly, once they released the people that are looking for uh, the information from you to reply quickly. So how do you manage that with your VA? Yeah, so she 
only responds to the emails. I know I was listening to that episode and he was saying that he pays for the premium feature and that gets early access, which is, I would assume that my numbers would increase if I did that. I haven't really sort of looked into it too much. I hadn't really understood, to be honest, I hadn't done too much research and understood what the difference was. But now I know that the difference is that extra little bit of time actually from listening to the episode. I was like, that's probably worth trying out actually. And that's sort of part of tweaking the process I'm doing now. Once I've got that humming as good as it can be, I'll invest that little bit more. But timing is so important. And I think that's a that's what made it really hard from doing it from Australia. I would have to sort of respond before work at sort of six in the morning. And there might be like, I think one, the first one would come through at like nine at night or 9.30. So I'd kind of respond to one in the morning, one at night, and that would really be about it. But yeah, getting in early for that sort of stuff is important as well. There's also an Australian version of Harrow, and it's called Source Bottle. I don't outsource for that because it's not as popular, um, but I just check it out every now and then as well. Yeah, so it's a similar type of deal. Okay. And it sounds like your VA has uh, some autonomy and you don't have to be involved and screen anything. So are you just outsourcing it completely and then you just see the results in a spreadsheet or something yeah pretty much pretty much so you get us we've got a spreadsheet that she'll add her she'll add the site the web like what the what the query was add if it's been re- like accepted rejected or submitted um, and we'll go from there because it's a throwaway gmail account i can access her responses if i'm like you know super desperate to go big brother on her otherwise i give her autonomy obviously the better she works at the start the more autonomy you get in the future if she was rubbish i probably would be screening everything she was doing but if you hire good people then you can let them do what they're good at i think so yeah okay and you mentioned that she had been doing this work before and she was familiar with the process and I know you probably haven't done this, but I mean, do you think it would be hard to just train an assistant, say like an executive assistant that you could hire who, I mean, basically you're sending emails and doing a little research. So do you envision this as like a pretty straightforward process to train a, a VA? Well, that was kind of what I thought I was going to be doing. Um, I I think I wrote in the, in the job posting off memory, I think like halfway down was kind of like, I don't really expect anyone to have done this before, but if you have, like, let me know because that's a good thing. And she was the only person who'd said that she'd actually done it before and she'd had done it for others, but I was definitely expecting to have to train someone to do it because it's, it is at the end of the day, it is like, it's not rocket science. It's just finding some research, responding to some emails. And if there's any, so at the start, if there was anything SEO related that I would get her to forward that to me and I would respond to it that wasn't exactly time efficient so instead i've just given her a list of like seo tips and you know things answers to potential questions um that's only been in the last couple of weeks actually so we'll see how that goes but otherwise she's just been doing head like some research heavy stuff so yeah i i would say it wouldn't take that long to train even a like even a writer could do it like if you had a writer on your books as well like that could easily be something you've got to you get them to do as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I've found writers, to, obviously, they're writing for you so they can communicate yeah. pretty well, hopefully. And it's really just sending a couple emails and filling out a spreadsheet. So, cool. Yeah, exactly. So if you can do that and even you can give them an extra, um, if it's a writer, you could give them, you could even have them, you know, as, as with the writing you're doing, if you respond to my Harrow queries, every published one you get, I'll give you a $50 bonus, for example. I don't know. And that's $50 a link. It's pretty cheap compared to what you can pay. You're keeping your writers happy. You're, you know, giving them extra money for just responding to a few emails. You don't have to do it. Yeah. Win-win. Very good. Yeah. And you read my mind. I was going to go there at some point. But yeah, like, do you pay your assistant any extra for actually landing a link or is it just straight up hourly um i've started doing it um with a bonus at the end of the month for every published one and yeah that's not something that i have to do it's more something that i want to do like i don't think that would be a deal breaker 
for anybody, but I would prefer to do that. So, yeah, and it, it yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's a definitely an easily detectable results driven piece of work. So it's like you get the link, you, you and, know, they're doing a good job. And even if it's that incentive to send a follow up email as well, sort of. Uh, because the, I'll only give the bonus for a published link. Like if once once we know it's published, more so than once it's accepted. So it's it's a, it's a way to follow up with that email and say, hey, you said the you said that this response was going to be published. Just wondering how the article's going. And you know that extra email can be what makes or breaks that bonus for that website. You know for that article um, because sometimes the journalists won't send out the, the finished link. Funnily enough, that Business Insider um, backlink wasn't like, I didn't know that it was published or even accepted. I was sort of doing some backlink research on my own site. And I was like, Business Insider, that's weird. And then I clicked through and it was like, what are my harrow responses? And I was like, oh man, okay. That's would have been nice to know. So yeah, you don't know actually, like you know the ones that have responded and that's really about it. So, yeah. Do you have specific criteria for the requests that come in? So how do you manage that? How do you make sure you're replying to the ones that are the most likely to land and and you're not wasting your time on the ones that won't? Yeah, so I basically just limit it to something that kind of touches on my niche. If you have a site about, I don't know, if you have a site about cars and automobiles and you have an auto niche site and you're responding to like a health and fitness query, the fact that you're, you know, Doug Cunnington from, I don't know, bigfastcars.com doesn't really help. So I try and limit it to something that's kind of related to my niche and also things that are easily researched. Some things that won't respond with tell us a personal story about X, Y, Z. So I kind of don't do those. You can't really tell usually. What I've, what I've found with Harrow is a lot of the times the bigger websites won't mention their website name because if you're Forbes or if you're Business Insider or if you're CNN or some huge website and you put your CNN or some huge website on there, you're going to get every single response. Like... Like, so you have a way more to sort through. So I found the bigger ones don't really mention who they are um, because that way they just get the best responses that fit more so than like every response. Um, yeah. Okay. So more just to the niche more so than everything else. Okay. And is there any like specific technique to, I guess, save time I, I imagine there could be so many responses so do you just set up a specific filter on haro to get um what you're looking for there yeah so you can access the particular um the categories so what categories you want to receive we just stick to the main ones that would suit our brand and we we go from there make it make the we've got a pretty much a a template for responses templates a strong word but basically have the response so it's well written enough that the journalist could copy and paste it straight from the email and insert it into there. So yeah, have it its own little paragraph so it's easy enough. You'd be like, hey, uh, my name's Anthony from blah, blah, blah. Here's my response to the query. Insert the query. Have it its own paragraph. Have it full sentences. Have it well written enough that the person could just, yep, okay, I'll use that, copy, paste. Uh, Make it as easy for the journalist as possible, yeah. Perfect. And I know the VA has autonomy to do research, write the response back. Do you have any like um, stock answers for common things that may come through, um, specific source material, or do you just let your VA do her thing? Yeah, we've, um, we've just started recently with that. Um, I was doing some autonomy because it was it was actually because it was the first time I've done it. I hadn't really, I wasn't really sure what would work and what wouldn't. So I was kind of learning myself. Um, we've just started recently with a series of answers. So I've got a Google sheet that we share now, like a Google Doc, and I'll add responses. And the plan is with this, if there is a particular, like a, a theme that's coming up in responses or in, in queries, I should say, I can add 
you know, a story that would help with that. And that's something that she could use for her research more so than doing some Google work. Um, so yeah, if I was to do it again, it would definitely be something that I would look into doing from the start is having a list of either set responses or maybe dot pointed out. So there is, so it's not just complete cookie cutter and it can be tweaked, but yeah, having something there to go off, we are trying it at the moment, but at the start it was just complete autonomy and see how it goes. For, I guess, scaling this up, do you envision like it could be scaled up? Like if you, sometimes if you add more people or throw more money at something, you can do even more of it. In this case, it seems like, you know, you're, you have to filter based on what queries are coming in, what the reporters actually need. So, I mean, is this something that you could scale up? I wouldn't have thought. It would, it's, it could be something that you could scale up in the way of, you know, potentially if, you couldn't scale up in regards to, it wouldn't be a clear sum of, you know, if I've got three people out reaching for guest posts, if I get six people out reaching, I should have twice the success. Um, I don't think it would work like that. It would be more, because there is only a limited amount of queries that come out every day. So there is a list that you have to go with. The only thing, hearing it out loud and thinking out loud, would be you could potentially get someone who's more of an expert in a category so if there's, I know there's a health and fitness category on Harrow. If you had someone who's, you know, well-versed in that, their answers would be better, I would assume, than a generalist, which would mean there's a higher chance of those answers getting published. So you could potentially have and more of an expert, and you would be getting writers for this, I would assume. Um, you could have someone who's more well-versed in each category, and they would just be in control of responses for that category but i don't i don't like that might be scaling up because the answers would be better but there is only a limited amount of queries that come out every day so you're kind of capped at that stage um and also if you've got three responders responding to everything with the same website link like you can't you they're not going to use the same quote from the same bloke like three times so yeah and that's actually one one question that I forgot earlier that that is an important one. Where do the links go? Just homepage. Okay. Um, yeah, just the homepage. If there's something that's I've given her um, my VA like a list of like money pages as well, like that could be related and things that I'd want to build links to. If by luck a question around that particular post comes up that could be related, use that post. Otherwise, just homepage, homepage, which is just the more natural way of link building, I think, for that sort of stuff. So it's pretty unlikely that um, when I was doing it myself, because I knew all the articles on my website, or even if I didn't know it exactly, I'd be like, I'm pretty sure I've got an article about that and I could use that. But yeah, makes it a little bit harder to go to a page. So I just go homepage. That seems, like you said, more natural. And, you know, if you look at big sites, a lot of times, you know, 40, 60% of the links are going to the homepage with like some kind of branded anchor text or something more general. So that's what yeah. makes sense. And you can even see, like, depending on the, the experience of the writer of a blog post, you know, you could easily have you know, Doug Cunnington from Niche Site Project has said, and then a quote from you, but the anchor is actually just Niche Site Project going to your homepage. If you're not a well-versed link builder or article writer, you don't know what like that link does to anyone. You're probably just thinking it helps for your, you know, you're not stealing any ideas. So yeah, it's just a way more natural way of doing it. Very good. Is there anything else you could think of uh, with the process in general or, or tips for people that are thinking, hey, I want to try out Hara. This sounds awesome. Um, I would definitely say respond to your own for a little bit. Figure out what works, what doesn't. Um, that's the same as anything, though, with this sort of stuff. But definitely be doing it yourself for a little while. Figure out what works. Figure out how to respond properly. Because if you just go straight out and try to get a freelancer to do it, and you don't know the instructions to give them and you give them like, if someone follows shitty instructions, that's your fault, it's not their fault. So 
do it yourself at the start. Try and get that process as good as possible. Um, and once it becomes too hard to keep up with, then get someone else. Definitely stick with them at the start. Get some responses from them. Obviously, I would be getting the responses after they've already submitted it rather than because it is so like so quick what we're talking about before if i need to be next to my phone so my va can be hey i'm going to use this response what do you think i'll read that go okay that's cool use that i may as well just do it myself so maybe like a weekly checkup because if the response is shit they just won't use it on their website and you don't get a link so like nothing lost really yeah that'd be about it awesome very good well thanks a lot anthony appreciate your insights on this and it makes me want to get out there and, and try it and see how it'll work for for my site and you know it sounds like it's sort of universal i mean there's so much content being published out there every day all the time and these reporters need something to cite yeah exactly and i would definitely be looking at sort of keeping up with trends at the moment. So um, because there's obviously been a lot of COVID coronavirus things at the moment, a lot of the queries are about, you know, how do you deal with this and what do you know about this? And like, I, I know what I read and that's really, I don't, I don't consider myself an expert. So I've just basically said, don't respond to anything like that because I don't want some reader to, read something I've said and assume that I know what I'm talking about. So don't do that, but also keep up with, you know, around the holidays. So Christmas, Valentine's day, father's day, mother's day, there's always usually gift guide queries as well. So maybe have some, now I'm actually thinking about it. It's probably what I'm going to do straight after this is add that Google doc and be like at Christmas time, this is my favorite gift for dads. This is my favorite gift for mums. This is my favorite gift for teenagers and just things that they can use straight away so yeah. very good that's awesome well thanks a lot anthony um are you um off the grid can people follow you anywhere um feel free to mention it if so we can put links to it and if not i respect it if you're off the grid yeah i'm usually in the groups in the facebook groups and stuff somewhere but being a teacher i don't really stick out there too much because the first thing a kid does when they get their new teacher at the start of the year is google who they are so yeah off the grid somewhat but if you see me in the um in the groups feel free to reach out and have a chat and we'll go from there right on well thanks a lot for uh joining us really appreciate it awesome thanks man thanks anthony definitely appreciate the time man and all the knowledge that you dropped in this episode i i'll let you know that I have a freelancer that I've been working with for years. She's a writer, her name's Haley, and she has been furloughed and is looking to do more freelance work. Because I've worked with her for a few years, I was like, hey, you know, if you're trying to launch something, I actually, I know a few people, find listeners out there. And I was like, yeah, they're, they're looking for writers. And I, you know, every now and then I get, queries, people are just like, Hey man, can you share, you know, some of your writers? So Haley is literally someone that has been working for me, has worked with me and is continuing to work with me in the future. She's not cheap, but the quality is high. She's, you know, trained. She knows the kind of content that I want, which is probably pretty close to what you want. She could work directly in your WordPress, um, installation. If you give her like an editor or author login, she can, draft things right in there. So there's a link in the description for her site. So you could check out what she has going on there and you should email her, right? So she has some special rates, some special things that she doesn't publish on her website. So shoot her an email, let her know you're from, you know, Doug, you know, Doug, and she can get you some of the information about the specific packages that she put together for us. And because I am referring you, I may earn a commission if you actually do sign up, which will be cool, but it's a win for everybody all around. And finally, I'm gonna give a shout out to Page Optimizer Pro. My buddy, Kyle Roof, put this tool together. If you don't know Kyle, he was interviewed, I guess about a year ago. Smart guy, 
to say the least. He's an extremely smart guy. He's an on-page SEO specialist. What Page Optimizer Pro allows you to do is essentially pull together data from other sites that are ranking well for the specific term and the specific page that you're trying to rank. So you'll have a great understanding of the number of times to use certain keywords, other keywords and synonyms to use, as well as word count and all the details for on-page optimization. Super powerful tool. It's been improved a lot in the last, I think, couple months at this point. So again, I'm an affiliate for this tool, but I use it all the time. And with a new extension that they have in place, it's much easier to use. So in fact, you can allow your writers to use uh, some bit of Page Optimizer Pro so it can be optimized before you get to it. There's a couple little things you have to do to uh, share the secret security key so that your writer will be able to access the information. But through the browser extension, it makes it all seamless and work really well. So check out Page Optimizer Pro. Anthony talked about it in this episode and that sort of triggered uh, you know, my mind like, oh yeah, I need to let people know that Pop is doing much better as far as uh, ease of use and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, check it out if you haven't. Very powerful tool out there. And it's way cheaper than tools like um, Market Muse. Market Muse is like, I don't know, I think it's like $1,200 a month or something, something insane. I mean, you literally have to be a content agency running you know, tens of thousands of dollars through to make $1,200 per month worthwhile. It's not for the average person like us. All right, I think that's it for today. Right now, it is in the afternoon. It is a warm day and there is cold beer in the refrigerator. So I'm gonna head out and do that and hopefully... I will talk to you soon. Have a good one.